Hello and welcome guys. You are listening to The Crack. This is the podcast where I ask you, what's the crack? So what's the crack guys? Get in touch. We can be emailed at thecrackpodcastcontact at gmail.com. That's thecrackpodcastcontact at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at The Crack Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter where we are at Podcast Crack. Capital P on podcast, capital C on crack. Now, usually these podcasts, so far anyway, have taken on the structure of I'll start recording and then I'll sit here in my living room and just talk to myself for about 20 minutes about what's going on and such. I always try to add a wee anecdote or something of some relevance, a little story, or read some listener mail. But this episode, uh, this episode is going to be slightly different. As you may know, or may not know, I have, I always have, I have an interest in dark subject matter. <laughs> yeah. So that includes things like um, history. A lot of history is dark and just generally interesting. I like things like the paranormal, ghosts and aliens and all that stuff. Cryptozoology, Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster type of thing. And I really like reading about true crime. Serial killers, murderers, organised crime, all that stuff. And the closer to home, the better. Not too close, though. It's scary how often you read about the person involved saying, You always hear these things happen to others. You never expect it to happen to you. So it's not that I like the fact these... Things of a dark subject matter happen locally. They happen everywhere. They always have done. But it adds something to it when you know the place names or the layout. Like when you can appreciate the smaller elements of the story. I don't know. Like when you get a feel for it on a personal level. It changes things. I'm going to talk today, guys, for a little while about the disappearance of Rini and Andrew McRae. So if you're familiar with the podcast, you'll know that I record it in Inverness and that I grew up in a quaint wee rural town relatively nearby, as did my parents and all my aunties and uncles. We all went to the same school, just obviously not at the same time. Some of the teachers there, they had taught all of us, though, which is crazy. But to get from the wee town to Inverness by road, it takes under an hour. You follow the wee windy country roads, keeping an eye out for deer. <clears throat> I've not always been so good at that part. But eventually you have to go the same way that everyone who is driving to Inverness goes, and you take the A9. Now, the A9, the A9 is the longest road in Scotland. It's gone through many changes over the years. Seriously, it's like they're constantly working on it and it never seems to be improved. But the current road, or the modern A9, as I think it's called, if you know anyone who lives around here over a certain age, they'll call parts of it the old A9. So there's the modern A9, uh, the one that we have now. It starts just outside Falkirk, just to the east of Falkirk, and it goes north, right to the top, all the way to Thurzo. I'm not familiar with the south end of the road, to be honest, guys. 
I'll only drive it as far as Perth, and then I'll go right at the roundabout and head off towards Glasgow. But I basically, it's a major road in Scotland that stretches on for 273 miles. What's that, you ask? How far is that in kilometres? Why, that's 439 kilometres. Yeah, when I was fact-checking for this episode, I came across a bit of information that was saying that the road, the A9, has been called by some the Spine of Scotland. But I don't know anyone who fucking calls it that. A not-so-fun fact about the A9, guys, is that within the UK, the A9 is in the top five for the most accidents and deaths. Yeah, a lot of casualties. Well, that's when I was at school. And that's just a bit of information that's always stuck with me. From what I understand, it's not been as bad since they put up those average speed cameras that I got caught speeding by the bastards. Uh, but yeah, it's a bad road. Another thing that can make it super eerie is how desolate parts of it can be. In the summer, it's all, you know, beautiful and scenic with all the views of the mountains and the heather and the forests and highland cows and all that. Not Scottish tourism shit. But in the winter, it is a dark road. So dark, in fact, that a parked car that is on fire would be extremely visible. Which is exactly what a train driver saw as he was working on the evening of Friday the 12th of November, 44 years ago, in 1976, as he passed the Dalmagari Layby, about 12 miles from Inverness. A burning car? A light blue BMW, to be precise. It was the very car that Rini McRae had left Inverness with her wee boy, Andrew, hours earlier. So what's the story here? Rini McRae was a married woman with two children who left Inverness one night with one of her kids, and neither of them have been seen again. And that's it. But, well, there's more than that, guys. See, this is the longest missing persons case in the UK. And it has stuck, like, it has stuck in the collective consciousness of this area. Genuinely, you can ask almost anyone around here about it, and everyone has a theory. Everyone has an opinion. Like I said, almost everyone. People who were around at the time remember it. And it's not just because she went missing, which is horrible. It's always easy to disconnect that the people involved in these types of true crime stories are real people, and that real people have been and continue to be affected by the events. But yeah, it, it's not because she went missing and because the car was found ablaze, which is like something from a film, really. It was once the police started to investigate into her personal life, they found out this wasn't just a case of a missing person, but there was like... There was almost like a TV soap opera drama level plot to the whole thing. In a way, of course there was. She was human. And I bet almost everybody, yes, I'm talking to you, dear listener, has secrets. Everyone has secrets. Whether they're embarrassing, or sexual, or just downright your secrets to keep, everyone has them. It could be on the behalf of somebody else, but everybody has secrets. It's what makes you human. You know? Having a personal life. Having you. The individual. Was it Matthew McGonaghy says in a crew detective? The worst day in the history of the human race was the day they invented the word I. The individual. 
So the police found out that Rini was human. And when the press caught wind of that, whoosh, from out of red guys, they just, they loved it. Okay, so what am I talking about? I shall explain. So as I said before, Rini, uh, which is short for Christina, which is why it's pronounced Rini, despite looking like it may be spelled Rene. Rini was married. She was born with a surname MacDonald, but married a man called Gordon McRae. So her name became Rini McRae. And they had two children. Gordon McRae. Uh, I don't know too much about him. He's still alive today, I believe. Well, he was according to a 2019 article I read online from The Sun. But that's The Sun. So take that with a fistful of salt. Rini was married to Gordon and they had two children. Different sources say different things. I watched a video uh, said that Rini was a hairdresser and I've read that she was a housewife. So I'm not certain with what her employment status was at the time. What is for sure is Gordon's line of work at the time, 1976. Which, guys, what a year, by the way. Just very quickly, here's a little bit of what was going on in the UK that year. You ready? The Scottish Labour Party was formed. The first commercial Concorde flight left the UK. UK won Eurovision for the third time. Chris Hoy, the Olympian hero, was born. Uh, so was Benedict Cumberbatch. The legendary crime mystery novelist Agatha Christie sadly died. Her last novel was also released that year. And that was Marple one. And Parliament put into effect the Dangerous Animals Act. Which may have led to people releasing big cats into the British countryside. But that is for another episode. Where was I? Yes, Gordon McRae. In 1976, he had his own construction firm, which was wildly successful. Uh, so successful, in fact, that from what I've read, he was a millionaire. Let's get a bit of this Google. Hang on. Now this website only goes to 2019. Hang on. Okay, so one million pound in nineteen seventy six is the equivalent two thousand nineteen of seven million two hundred and fifty two thousand sixty eight pound seventy five. So the man was doing well for himself. And I can imagine that leads to a comfortable lifestyle, especially up here. Now of course a construction company isn't staffed by one man, and I am sure he had many staff, but one particular staff member the chief accountant of the firm, William, who went by the name Bill, Bill McDowell. Bill was married, still is, to Rosemary, but in 1971, Bill had started having an affair with his boss's wife, Rini. From what I've read online, by 1976, Obviously, before her disappearance, Rini and Gordon had completely separated and were heading towards getting a divorce. Although, again, from what I've read, they were reportedly on very good terms, handling it very maturely, like adults. Which they were. Gordon was 44 at the time, and Rini was 36. But, as I grow older, 
it's concerning to see how many adults are just children in older bodies. But as far as I can tell, they were on good terms. Although Gordon never knew who Rini's new man was. So what happened? Uh, so November the 12th, Rini went from her house in Cradle Hall, Inverness, to Gordon's house and dropped off their oldest son. And the poor wee man never got to see his mum or his brother again. Now, Rini had told Gordon she was taking wee Andrew, Andrew was three years old, to visit her sister Morag in Kilmarnock in Ayrshire. Kilmarnock, it's a wee town. Alexander Fleming, the man responsible for penicillin, thank you, Mr. Fleming, and the rock band, Biffy Clyro. There's the few of the noteworthy folks from around there. But full honesty, guys, I've never been. I can't comment on the place. Regardless, that's where Rini said she was going. At 6 o'clock that night, Friday the 12th of November, her car, the blue BMW that I mentioned at the start, was seen driving southbound on the A9, within 6 miles of Inverness. And we know it was within 6 miles, because the next witness statements to seeing her car describe it parked in the Meulimore lay-by. Let me just butcher the pronunciation of that. Meulimore lay-by which is six miles south on the A9 from Inverness. Now, the folks that saw the car parked there all tell the same story. Nothing out of the ordinary. The car was parked, the lights were off, the engine wasn't running, no one was in the car. But nobody saw it in that lay-by after 9.30 that night. It was next seen, throwback to the start of the episode, just seen after 10pm in a different lay-by, six miles further down the road. Now 12 miles from Inverness in the Dalmagari lay-by. And it was spotted by a train driver. The train track sort of runs alongside the road at that point. Uh, the lay-by, it's slightly off the road. There's a wee bunch of bushes and trees that hide it from the road. I'm not sure how many trees would have been there 44 years ago, but it is a bit hidden. Well, I'll tell you how hidden it is. I'm going to sound like a total creep here, but I took a drive out there last night. I don't know, to get a feel for it, see what the area is like. Just see what I think to do. And it is dark. The lay-by was bigger than I would have imagined. I'd never had to stop in there my whole life at any point. Uh, so that's my first time being in there. Big lay-by. Uh, stretched on a lot more than you'd imagine. And there were two lorries in there that I didn't see until I was off the road. Like big full-size lorries. They were, they were completely hidden. So a car could easily have been hidden there but what gave it away was the fact that it was on fire completely ablaze so that happened on the friday night uh, it wasn't until the following monday monday the 15th that gordon phoned the police thinking something was wrong Rini hadn't picked her son up from school which was out of character for her but it, <laughs> it wasn't the how dare she not pick the boy up and she'll phone the police attitude that gordon took it, it was because when he phoned Morag, her sister, and Kilmarnock to ask about Rini's well-being. And Morag told him that Rini had never made plans to come down that past weekend. That's when he phoned the police. Because something was wrong. So the police were involved. They spoke to Rini's best friend, her closest friend, and told her about Rini's apparent plans to drive down to Kilmarnock and see her sister. But as the friend revealed that wasn't exactly the case. 
where she was actually going was to meet with her secret lover, Bill, the accountant. And what's more, Bill was actually wee Andrew's real father. It seems the plans that weekend had been to go down to Perthshire with their son, spend the weekend there, and apparently Bill had a fantastic job in Shetland with Texaco, the oil company. They'd sorted him with a house, so the three would spend a few days in Perthshire, then Bill would leave his wife, and the three of them, Bill, Warini and the wee Andrew, were going to go and be a family in Shetland. At least that seems to be how Rini had seen it. Bill has denied this since... Oh, and when uh, Gordon McRae found out was chief accountant had been up to with his wife, he sacked him. Which is understandable. Then what happened? Well, holy shit. There was a pretty lady and her little son missing. Shit went nuts. Now I'm going to make a claim here, and I've not read this anywhere, so this is just my speculation. But the police force in the area, Northern Constabulary, who was just under a year old. I don't mean that the area had been lawless, like the Wild West or something. No, it had been, um, if you allow for a moment, when I read these. The Ross and Sutherland Constabulary, the Inverness Constabulary, the northernmost territory of the Argyle County Police, and the Scottish Nairn East Counties Constabulary. They all merged together and became Northern Constabulary, which the police in the area went by until the Police and Fire Reform Scotland Act of 2012 that gave us a single police force. Not so creatively titled Police Scotland. But yeah, guys, like I said, there's no proof of this. I am just spouting my thoughts here, but Northern Constabulary became a thing an organisation, in 1975. Rini and Andrew disappeared towards the end of 1976. The new police service was just over a year old. And of course, when things change in an organisation the way they do when there's mergers and management shuffles and all that, the reasoning is always, money is always, there is a more efficient and effective way to handle and positively impact the area. I'm sure you've heard crap like that at work when departments move. So I can only imagine the pressure that the new police service was under to find this pretty lady and her wee boy. I could be totally wrong, guys. Totally wrong. Um, but you know what the public are like today. Can you imagine people were much different 44 years ago? I mean, scrutiny and criticism. So the police went to work. Uh, forensics work on the car showed they had been deliberately set on fire. But when they opened the boot... Rainey had left Inverness with wee Andrew's pushchair in a suitcase, but when the boot was opened, they weren't in there. What was there was Andrew's blanket, which was stained with a small amount of his blood. So guys, if it wasn't already serious, which it was, now it's serious. Missing people's posters were sent to every police station, not only in Scotland, but in the whole of the UK. And what made the area search difficult was apparently it snowed not too long after this, which I imagine today would complicate a thorough investigation. So back then, I can't imagine the damage they did to the immediate, you know, the immediate capabilities. Not good. Now, if you don't know this area, from a bird's eye view, to, to describe some of the features from the sky, 
I would say it probably looks like a teenager's acne scarred face. <laughs> uh, with some of that shitty wee patchy facial hair that they grow too. I'll explain that. So up here, the landscape, it's, it's dotted with marshes and swampy bits. Uh, it's little bits of planned forest and there's areas of not planned forest. It's all scattered. Um, and there are quarries. Again, it's, it's, just, it's not like in a film where the police line up and just scour a lovely flat area. I mean, there would have been plenty of that. Still plenty of fields, but there's also plenty of awkward and difficult areas to search that would have been accessible to someone in the time frame that they went missing. Remember, they left Inverness around 6, and the car was spotted burning around 10. So what happened during that time? The police searched one of the local quarries, but found nothing. No bodies, no child's suitcase, no push chair. The quarries in the area, um, and probably still are, they'd become impromptu dumps for the less respectable residents of the area. Fly tippers. And because of that, they were dangerous and difficult to search. The search of Linach quarry, I might not be pronouncing that correctly. Definitely not pronouncing that correctly. Sorry guys, I don't speak Gaelic. Lenach Quarry, Lenach Quarry, something called the battlefield. Uh, the search had to be called off due to the risks involved, which apparently the CID, they were furious about that because apparently they could smell rotting flesh, which is horrible. And they believed that if they'd been given more time, there would have been a relevant discovery. So as a side note for you guys, if you ever feel like dumping an old fridge or TV or something in the countryside instead of getting rid of it the proper way, you could be contributing to, down the line, you could play a part in slowing down the investigation of a missing mum and her kid. So yeah, don't litter guys, we were all raised better than that. Right, so, the press, they also just, they went nuts with it. Remember I said they found out they had a personal life and they loved it. Uh, they had her presented as some sex-having affair and saying illicit scarlet woman. The type of thing, you know, who played with men's hearts and then played the men off each other. But that simply wasn't true. From what I've read, she was apparently a wonderful friend and a caring mother who had a personal life that just got wildly exposed due to this horrible circumstance. I have read in a few sources that Rainey's reputation was defended by her friends and her estranged husband, who by the way, had offered a reward of £1,000 at the time for any information. And at the end of the day, the man's wife, yes, they were separated, but still, his wife and his wee boy, which also, yes, turned out to be his biological son, but he'd been raising the wee man, they were missing. You know, that's what it comes down to. And after everything, it's still that a mother and a wee boy went missing. But they were never found. At least not as of today, the 13th of November 2020. 44 years and a day to when they went missing. But what's happened since then? Well, in 1998, a credit card was found in an abandoned old house near a property owned by Gordon McRae, which must have raised some eyebrows, because the name on the card was R. McRae. But, um, and if this happened in a film, you would call it far-fetched. The card actually belonged to a lady called Reen McRae, who is still alive, and she'd lost it several years previous. It was just a wild coincidence that it ended up in a building close to Gordon's property. 
In 2006, the police named the prime suspect, but due to lack of evidence, they couldn't arrest him. And off he fucked to America. Suspicious? Maybe. Maybe not. Imagine being named a prime suspect for a crime you never did, uh, knowing the police were trying to build a case against you. I can't say I blame the guy for boosting. Now, my whole life, I always was, and I don't want to say common knowledge. Yeah, I can't say that. Um, people just, it's widely assumed that what happened that night uh, was that a murder occurred. Double murder. And you remember I said the A9 is always getting worked on? It's assumed that they were murdered and their bodies are entombed beneath the A9. And who knows, that could be true. One of my dad's friends was working on that part of the A9 at the time. He got questioned by the police about his work. I don't think they actually asked him if he, you know, did you do it? It was more along the lines of, did you notice any equipment was moved? Or was there any mysterious folks poking about? And then they came back to him years later again to question him again. So the theory certainly holds some credence. Then there was um, one of the men that I work with. I was talking to him recently about this and he told me at the time when this all happened, his dad had been doing some work in his garden. And the police became aware of this. They came around to see what he was digging about that. Like, guys, it was huge. I can't, I can't imagine. Well, I sort of can't imagine. People around here like to gossip. Well, they probably do everywhere. I'm just never lived further away than this. So I, I can't imagine the speculation, the rumours that must be firing around. And uh, where are we now? Well, guys, last summer, last year, yeah, it was definitely last summer, uh, big news in this area. Remember I said about the quarry where detectives could apparently smell rotting flesh? Uh, um, last summer it, got, it all got drained. A massive big thing out of the news uh, due to fresh information or facts coming to light or something. But yeah, it was a very big deal around here. I use the word excitement. It seemed to cause a lot of excitement. And from what I understand, wheels were found similar to the type that would have been in Wee Andrew's pushchair. And I've read, I've been reading a lot in preparation for doing this episode, I've read that human bones were found. Um, but I have no memory of that happening, because I assure you, if human bones had been found, this whole area would have gone fucking bananas. Seriously, around here, if a road gets closed for roadworks, you think it was the end of the world. It's the uproar it causes. But human bones found or not, someone has been arrested in connection to this. And the trial is due to happen around now? Maybe last month? Days after the disappearance was reported 44 years ago, in mid-November, Bill McDowell, that's the man she was seeing, wee Andrew's dad, went into an Inverness police station, uh, apparently in a bit of a state, wishing to talk to someone. But his wife that I mentioned earlier, Rosemary, she came in after him and dragged him away. But guys, in September 2019, police went to the now 77-year-old's house in the north of England and arrested him. He appeared in Inverness Sheriff Court faced with two charges of attempting to pervert the course of justice. He made no plea and was committed for further examination and granted bail. He has denied any involvement all these years. He also denied telling Rini that he was going to leave his wife and take her away to Shetland. 
but police found her belongings packed into boxes when they searched her home. So, maybe that's worth noting. Yeah. So guys, that was my wee bit on the disappearance of Rini McRae and Reboy Andrew. But just because this podcast has come to an end, it doesn't mean anything. There's still two missing people out there. There's still Morag, missing her sister and nephew. There's Gordon Jr., that's the older son. He's still missing his mother and his brother. This is ongoing. And I know it was a long time ago, but if you know anyone, or if you even know something, something trivial, you may feel, maybe something major, it is worth telling someone. Someone official, I mean, don't just tell the guy beside you in the pub. It is worth telling someone, because you, you have no idea how it may affect things. It could just be the piece that you need. You know, I don't know, maybe, uh, oh, I actually saw someone driving that way in a blue car. Maybe that's what they need to hear. Right, guys, this isn't by any means a definitive piece on the matter. The information here might not be as accurate as I'd like it to be. Uh, you might be really pissed off by parts of this. I might have missed out parts you wanted to hear. I got things wrong. If that's the case, I'm sorry. Uh, if you want to get in touch, please, by all means, feel free to email thecrackpodcastcontact at gmail.com. That is thecrackpodcastcontact at gmail.com. If you have any stories related to this, I'd love to read them. You know, maybe your older cousin remembers driving down the road that night and actually saw the blazing car. Maybe your granddad's garden got dug up by Northern Constabulary. Anything you want to get in touch with, guys, feel free. Oh, fuck. If, you know, if you're listening to this and you know more, you can always call 101 if you live in Scotland uh, for the police, non emergency, or you could call Crime Stoppers. They're, the, they're completely anonymous. And they pass the information on to the police. Oh, I might as well give you the... Okay. If you, want, if you want to tell Crime Stoppers anything, you can call them 0800-555-111. 0800-555-111. I didn't mean for this to turn to the end of Crime Watch. Don't have nightmares. And of course, guys, phone 999 if you need someone there with blue lights, like right now. Okay, so I think we'll leave it with that. Oh, hang on. No, one more, ladies. <laughs> I was thinking that if you're involved with a married man who says he's going to leave his wife for you, he's probably not going to. So bear that in mind. And guys, if you're married and seeing a lady who you keep telling you're going to leave your wife for, man, man, don't be a dick. And if it's your boss's wife. <laughs> nice. Cool, gang. Until next time. Let's split up and look for clues. You stay out of trouble. Look after yourselves. Be good. I'll speak to you next time. <laughs>